Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as Black experiences, you'll hear... It means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. So which one was she? Uh, sexual. <laughs> yeah. Which really just means intimate. Yeah. Intimacy, yeah. Right? It sounds way more ooh-la-la than it is. Yeah, right? Yeah. I'm like, I, want, I hope I'm that too. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a woman in my 40s. What can I say? Um, <laughs> You're in your prime. You're in your I'm prime. I'm in my prime. That's what I've read, That's at least. Right. I mean, it's true. I hope so. Everyone's got to think. Yes, yes, yes. Happy Fanatics Day. I am one of your hosts, David Magadoff. The only David Magadoff on earth, by the way. <laughs> and I guess that leaves me as the other host, Claire Kramer. And that's interesting, David. I think that I am the only Claire, C-L-A-R-E, Kramer. I'm not oh. the only Claire and I'm not the only Kramer. In fact, I I know that this may be of interest to you, even though your name is not Claire. <laughs> Uh, it's not, but I. It, you know what? But anything's possible. Anything is possible. Maybe, maybe it's Clarence <laughs> David. You know, and you've just been moonlighting as a David all these years. But there's actually we all have secrets. There's Claire. so many Claires that in Claire Ireland every year there is a Claire Con for people whose name is Claire. And for the last Ooh. like decade, there's another Claire I'm friends with who spells her name C-L-A-R-E, Claire Grant, who is Seth Green's wife. And for the last decade, we've said, you know, we're going to eventually pilgrimage as two Claires over to ClaireCon and have, you know, a, 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 a celebration of, of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll come. I'll put a wig on and uh, hopefully no one will notice. No, no and wig I'll just required. No clear wig it up. We, we are equal opportunity Claire. Thank you. Well, my wife, Sarah, she always wanted to have a Sarah party, but she's Sarah with an H. So I get that. She's like, does not believe that Sarah's without an H are real people. This is my wife, everyone, not me. So if you You are Sarah. She's the one with an extra letter. Might I remind her and all the Claire's with eyes? (laughs) You know, we keep it simple. Fair enough. C-L-A-R-E, S-A-R-A, you know. Minimalism. You're going for minimalism. You can't really shorten David, though. I mean, Dave, (laughs) but that's like a totally separate name. Well, speaking of minimalism, someone with also a very short first name is Keiko Agena. This is our guest today. You know Keiko. Yes. You know her from 13 Reasons Why, which mm-hmm. is a very uplifting show. <laughs> uh, Better Call Sal, another another uplifting show. Yes. Um, and Dirty John, the first. She's done a bunch of stuff. Prodigal Son. And of course, Gilmore Girls, which is an uplifting uh, show, truly. That's uh, like no the OG of, yeah. you know... 
teen shows. Guys, we have Lane on today. Lane from Gilmore Girls, everyone's friend. This is someone who, my wife at least I know, she just grew up and loved Gilmore Girls. I watched that final, I watched that reunion show. It became the show where I would watch over my wife, Sarah, with an H's like shoulder. And then I was eventually like sitting and like next to her and watching it. And I really enjoyed Gilmore Girls. I I only have watched the final season and have thoroughly enjoyed it. Is that weird? I mean, I don't know. I think it's normal. It was a popular show. I actually haven't seen it. And my teenager has not started a rewatch of it. I mean, when she does, I'm sure I will, you know, watch. But I feel like Gilmore Girls is one of those shows where like, literally everyone in young Hollywood was on kind of like you were either on, like, of course I'm going to project and say you were either on Buffy or Gilmore girls or like Dawson's Creek. Like those were like the three that everybody kind of like had a part of in, in young Hollywood. That was young Hollywood teen show. And she was great. And she was, everyone loved Lane. And I, I even, I, in the short time I got to experience Lane understand she's just like Keiko. She comes on screen and she's so kind and she's got, big smile and she's she literally is your friend and which will make more sense as we explore the enneagram with her today i'm not even gonna tell you what that's about it's it's about personality type stuff you're gonna enjoy it you're gonna love it we're gonna have a real deep dive into the enneagram with keiko today but it really it really makes sense once you hear all about what keiko's enneagram is and how she relates to life. i'm excited let's let's take a listen Well, hello again there, Keiko. Hi, David. It's good to see you. Hi, Keiko. Hi, Claire. <laughs> this might feel like deja vu for us. This is definitely not deja vu for our listeners, <laughs> although we've had a wonderful conversation with you about the Enneagram. We get to do it all over again and maybe hit some things that we didn't hit the Yay. first time. But can you explain to everybody what the Enneagram even is? Oh, sure. So because of this podcast, it, it, the first thing that comes to my mind when, when you ask me what I'm a fan of or what I'm addicted to is, is this thing. The Enneagram is a, a personality system. I think probably most people will know a, a personality system like, a, what, what is that thing called? Like INFJ yes. and Myers-Briggs. It's similar to Myers-Briggs, but it's another system that has nine different, different types and you're either one of those uh, nine different types, but it gets more granular the more you get into it. And there's a lot of uh, diversity within it, but it's basically nine different primary types. <laughs> and I love it. Well, and so that's, <laughs> it, in, it, in, it, in, it informs almost every aspect of my life in, okay, in some way or another. Okay, that's so intriguing so, yeah. because I, I had not heard of Enneagram before. And now, you know, on our second deep dive into it, when you say it informs every aspect of your life. I really want to know what you're talking about there. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, where do I, where do I start? Like, um, <laughs> okay, in just a casual way, I will always be thinking about what the Enneagram number of a person is in any situation. So if I'm sitting there on the couch with my husband watching British Bake Off, we will at some point ask, like maybe not every episode, but we will definitely try to figure out like what Enneagram number each person is. It's how I, God, this is sounding, sounding a little um, intense, but it's, it's almost become part of my POV, like how I sort of view, uh, it's a filter of how I sort of 
see the world. It's your own matrix. You're you, yeah, you're yeah. Neo, oh, no. and you and you can now see the matrix. But that makes sense. It's like a graph that you put over life, a right? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit. It's a yeah, it's a tool set. Probably like, uh, maybe like a little bit of a language or something. Did maybe. you use it when you started dating your now husband? You know what we. Sure. Yeah, because we were into it before uh, my friends and I were into it before um, Shin and I started dating, dating. Yeah, but I was wrong. When we start, when we got together, I was I was wrong about what his, I thought his Enneagram number was. So what was your aha moment, though? So like with to, to make you go like, oh, I'll, um, I'm living my life. Yeah. La, la, la. And then someone <laughs> introduces you to the Enneagram. What do you remember how that happened? That introduction was and that made you go. Oh, what was the first moment when you went, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Well, there was a couple of of moments. The one is the hot flashes that you get when you realize <laughs> that the, you're reading something. You're like, oh, my God, that is too accurate about myself. Oh. And, the, and then the other one is um, when I just thought about my mom, like it just hit. That's what made me really not go back to forgetting about it is that when I realized, oh my God, my mom is a is is a number that's different than me, and I I just saw the way that she processes the world, and it gave instead of being <laughs> I hate to say this, but instead of being irritated with her about her idiosyncrasies, I went, oh uh, duh, I have those defense mechanisms that uh, that's a certain skill set. She has defense mechanisms that her is her own skill set. It's just the way she's dealing with the world. It's not. It just made me understand what what she's doing and have more compassion. Empathetic, you got yeah, very yeah. empathetic with your mom. Yeah, that was that. That was the big. That was the big aha, for sure. That's hard to do with your mom. Well, so that's just, that must be something. <laughs> so many times with yeah. a parental relationship, it's you know I I know for myself that's a very complicated mother daughter. The relationship yeah. is very complicated, and yeah. so many times I have I'm left to being like oh I guess it's a generational thing you know so yeah. I think it's really cool that you're able to put this graph and understand that way. And now I try, I want to try to do that with my mom, but going, yeah. going back to your husband, what do you mean you were wrong about his number and when, <laughs> and finding his right number, did that make you fall more in love with him or what? Tell me the story. Well, we, we were married already for, for a while. And so, so um, I know we haven't gotten to this specifics about the Enneagram, but um, I thought he was an eight, which is a challenger kind of person. And uh, he exhibits a lot of those things. But when he flew home, he was flying home to Japan for a visit without me uh, to visit his family there. And on the plane, he took the book with him and he was reading, trying to understand his mother. Well, there's a lot of mothers in this. but um, And he was reading about the four, which is a completely different personality type. And something struck him so hard that that's what she was. And then in that same like hot flash moment that actually that's that's what he is. Like the, the things that probably annoy him the most about his mom kind of hit him. And when he, we started talking about it, it, it yes, he is a, a challenger on the surface. And his dad was definitely an eight. But when you, get, uh, when you go a little deeper and found out what, what was really motivating that uh, front-facing aspect of it, it, yeah, it did make me love him more. How, um, how often is someone mislabeled? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, probably a lot, and that's also why I don't. Uh, I don't ever say I I know someone's enneagram number, even if I've known them a while. I, I say I think. I always preface it with I think because I think, like we all know ourselves better than we knew ourselves twenty years ago, and it's always a 
unfolding. I thought I was a seven for like a week. And then I learned I was a two because apparently sevens look like twos. By the way, Keiko, can you, because I'm, an, I, I, I like this Enneagram stuff. Keiko, you can you like can it you a tell, little more can, than a little bit. Yeah, you know, know that's another right. podcast. But can you, can you go from one through nine and just sort of do the quick, like at least just for people listening, what is, oh, sure. What are these numbers stand for? You're, you said an eight's sure. a challenger, but one through nine. So one is a perfectionist. Two is a helper, three is an achiever, four is an individualist, five is an observer, six is a loyalist, seven is an enthusiast, eight is a challenger, and nine is a peacemaker. And they have different labels depending on which book you read, but so that's one. Of the book that I'm most familiar with, that's the, the main word that they use for each number. And then you can be yeah. an even more specific thing, right? You can be a wing, yes. right? So you can be a one nine right. or a one two and... All those. Right. Do you know those off by hand as quickly? <laughs> those I, those okay. I don't know. But I do know that you are both two threes, right? You are. Claire and I, I are learned two wing that with a in the first episode. Three yeah, I learned that from you guys. I mean, this is all right. brand new to me. But what the crazy right. thing is, the crazy thing is you learned it in the same way that I learned it, Claire, that we were in during a period of in our lives when we were we are both doing the thing that is in, sen- in a sense the name of what it is. So the yes. name of the two wing three is called the host. Oh, and yes. so it's hilariously, so funny. I remember I learned this when I was hosting my first show on MTV, and then you learned this while you were hosting the podcast. Like literally, <laughs> <laughs> and it makes so much sense. It's creepy, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so when you when yeah. you meet someone, as you mentioned, when you're watching the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> But let's say, you know, let's say you're intermixing with, you know, a new person in your personal life. Do you let them know you're analyzing them? Do you ask them or do you kind of just play it in your own head and in your own mind? Yeah, I'll play it in my own mind. And then depending on how long we get to know each other. Mm -hmm. So if it's a one time meeting, no. But if if it's someone that I know over a. any length of time, yeah, it'll definitely it'll definitely come up because just because I I'm curious, so I it's not so much me telling them their number, but it's me asking them so many questions, a series of questions to to kind of discover what. Do you feel up. like it's a, do you feel like it's like you're hacking into a, a friendship? Yes, that's how I yes, feel. Yes, totally. Don't don't you feel like and maybe this is the addicted part of it that's maybe not healthy. I don't know, but <laughs> I feel like I know them better. Yeah. I feel like I I feel like I feel like there's a certain level that I can know someone before I know their number and then it kind of drops deeper. Okay, so let me ask you this. When you're bringing someone on to the Keiko team, whether it's, you know, someone professionally yeah. or you know, even someone who does your hair or something like that. Someone you're going to have a long-term right. relationship with in some capacity. Do you let's say hypothetically there are seven and you're like, I just don't work well with sevens or, you know, whatever. Do you ever apply that sort of, you know? Oh, um, no, because, and David knows this too, is that it's that it's, um, so all of the numbers have good aspects and bad aspects. So it's not about not liking a number or not being compatible okay, with a okay. number. 
Yeah, so the highest, if someone is any number and they're a healthy version of that number, then it's going to be easier to get along with them. And any number, if they're an unhealthy version of that number, is going to be difficult to, to get along with. So it's not necessarily the number itself. It's whether, you know, mm-hmm. how healthy we are. Right. So let's go back to when you first read this about yourself, your own number. You know, that's where you said the moment was where you're like, I'm going to carry this system on with me. What was that like yeah. to read your personality through this, you know, lens? Yeah. I mean, there's some things that are funny and then there are some things that are really personal. I mean, there are some things where you where like, so I'm a six, which is a loyalist. And loyalists are very concerned with um, with feeling safe. Like that's their primary objective, and most humans are. But I think they always say six are. sixes know where the exit is in any room. Yes. That's what they always oh, say. Oh, interesting. Oh yeah, they have. A, uh, and if they're dating yes. somebody, they always have a like. A, if my husband's gonna cheat on me, if my boyfriend's gonna do this, I how I hundred percent have an exit plan. I know where the bag is. I know who I'm going to. Yeah. This is what I've been told about. Women sixes. No, I don't it's know if very this is a true. general statement. No, sixes have sixes have plans within plans within plans and layers of security measures. <laughs> I mean, I have many different like my financial plan is so specific and like so layered. Like I, I have things put in many different places. I have many emergency buckets, let's just say that. So is it more (laughs) important for you and for people in general to use this as you are in this situation as an inward-facing tool to understand yourself or as an outward-facing tool to understand your mom, for example? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think um, one of the dangerous sides of the Enneagram is the lure of thinking that you can understand someone from their Mm -hmm. number. It's very dangerous, and especially when you're starting to learn it. You know, a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. Mm -hmm. So if I start to uh, say, oh, well, they are this number, I know about that number, and that's why I know so much about them, and I can write them off or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, more of it as an – the more in life we can make things internal tools as opposed to external tools is is better. So, yeah, I I would say so. Unless you're using it with compassion at the forefront of saying – let me try to understand this and have empathy with this person, then great. But otherwise, right. try to use it more on yourself. <laughs> so, yeah. so as an artist, when you're <laughs> approaching a character, do you do the Enneagram right. of the character? Yeah, like as, as Idrissa yeah. right now, like are you, do you know exactly who she is on Prodigal Son? Like, you know? Yeah. You know what? I knew her. Um, well, this is what's interesting too, though, is because to start, uh, you know, when you work on a, on a character – you have this idea, especially if, if with the luxury of a television show, you can discover. Like a play is something different or if it's a one-time thing. Well, with a television show, you actually kind of are discovering a little bit. So you start with an idea and then over the course of uh, what's written for you, you gain more information. So I had a general idea of who she was, but every script that comes in, you, you fine-tune it a little bit because you're learning also about who she mm-hmm. is. But there was a moment when I... Uh, so she's a five, but I read the more like, well, what wing she is, what... Um, and what's a five again? Wait, what's the word that goes with five? Oh, five is the observer. Okay. Yes. They're like the most heady Enneagram. Like they yes. are, they really love input and they love taking in information. And they're, they're arguably maybe the smarties yeah. of the bunch, I guess. <laughs> oh. Yeah. 
And then but, but when I found out, because uh, there's the, uh, I forget what the name of it is. Yeah, which wing? When, when did you know she's a 5'4 uh, or a 5'6? Well, you know what? It wasn't so much the wing, but it was the, uh, what do you call those things that where it's um, the, David, you might, you, you might know, but it, it, the um, self-preservation, the, the social. Yeah, self-preservation, social, or, yeah. yeah. There's, so, so can you define those three things for people listening? Yeah. Like, what are, what are you talking about? <laughs> So within, besides the health level, which will present different aspects, and besides the wings, um, whether she's a five that leans more towards a six or a five that leans more towards a four, there's these three variants. So there's a social, sexual, and a, a self-preservation. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I read that paragraph of who, who she is, I was, and this was after months of working with her, my jaw just dropped because it nailed her. Then it actually felt locked in. I sort of understand. Um, I understand her a little bit better. I think. Mm-hmm. So which one was she? Uh, sexual. <laughs> yeah. Which really just means yeah. intimate. Intimacy. It's, yeah. Right? It sounds way more <laughs> ooh la la than it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm like I want. I hope I'm that too. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a woman in my 40s. What can I say? Um, <laughs> You're in your prime. You're in your I'm prime. I'm in my prime. That's what I've read That's at least. Right. I mean. It's true. I hope so. What is the most surprising application you you have used of the Enneagram in your life? Most surprising. Hmm. That's a good question. I'm like you read it and it was like oh, like I know there are definitely aha moments for me too where it was like oh shit, I did not real I didn't know the thing that I kept doing these last thirty years of my life is written in this oh, book. Oh, 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 that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I will tell you what surprised me and was a practical tool for me is that I always assumed that I should be a, um, you know, to do better in my life, I should be very goal-oriented and I should write lists and vision board and that sort of thing. And that's that's a lot of information that's given to most people. That's not surprising, you know, like let's all, if we want to succeed in life, this is, this is the pathway, be goal oriented, mm-hmm. do that. For my particular a number, it's not necessarily uh, the right move for me. So for someone mm-hmm. as anxious as I am and who genuinely is a hard worker, the, right. the most efficient thing for me to do is to actually become more like a nine, the peacemaker, and to chill the fuck out. Can we swear on this podcast? Yes, okay. of course. <laughs> Especially you. Swearing is a sign of highly in, of high intelligence. Oh, so, excellent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so once and then that changed a lot because I get not everybody's like this, but I get in my own uh-huh. way. I say no to things because I'm such a Debbie Downer and think that every, the world's going to fall apart. So if, if, a, if, if something comes to me that's an opportunity, I see the problems before, you know, right away. And so my, the, the best thing that I need to do is to chill out, breathe, even step away from the computer or just say a maybe, relax, then just say yes and just, you know, and just go with the flow will actually help me much better than than the the other side of things. So, well, it's interesting because with the visioning, you know, the vision boards and the lists and the notebooks and the it there's a lot of 
you know, sounds like for you, there's a lot of pressure that, that you put on yourself to like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, it has to be done perfectly, or maybe I'm going to manifest something that's not right, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it, so it makes a lot of sense when you apply that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so there, so in the Enneagram also, and these I don't have memorized, but each number it go like has an ascending and descending uh, slide. So for my number, the six at my highest, I go towards towards a nine personality type. At my lowest, I go towards a three. So the three is the mm-hmm. achiever. Like, another way to say that is when you're feeling like when you're feeling good and healthy, you actually exhibit good traits in another yes. number. And when you're feeling kind of low and stressed, you might show the negative traits of another number. Right. And each number has a num- has has a number. Towards health and towards stress, just to add to the, yeah, I know. <laughs> the math. What's of it all. the two? What's That's the two? Lot. Do you know? Two, we, uh, two, because we're helpers, when we're feeling good and healthy, we actually look like fours, oh. which are very good at self care because yes. fours are kind of the quote unquote uh, individualists and the ones who care more about themselves. So we actually look, when a, a helper person is really healthy, Claire and I at our healthiest are probably laying down getting a massage at a massage table. (laughs) Yeah, taking care. (laughs) And not doing anything for anybody. Yeah, yeah. And at our worst, or when we're really stressed out, Claire and I are both people who are look like Mm. eights at their worst, which is challengers. Mm. So we can be very, dare I say, um, Trumpian in Mm. that we can be very, because he's an eight, uh, and be very angry and challengy and very protective of our brood and very protective of the people that we are and kind of, lash out that could be us that is interesting and i'm definitely i i mean when when we get to the gateway into this i'm going to be ordering your favorite book keiko off amazon but you brought up a really interesting point and let's let's diverge from using trump as an example but let's pick someone that the entire world knows let's just say like martin luther king jr you know right does everyone agree on his enneagram number who knows this system david's nodding would you say everyone? Pre- I'm. He's an yeah. eight. He's an eight seven. He he and Trump not Isn't that, but they're that... both challengers. They both took a completely different way yeah. going down their paths. But but isn't yeah. that the a beautiful? That's got to be like yeah. the most perfect explanation about what we we're talking about. About it's not the number. I mean, both of those men mm-hmm. are 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 eights. It's just. Mm-hmm. Uh, So it's so but that's also interesting, Keiko, what you're saying is it's not the number that defines you. It's what you do with the number. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how does that come into play? Can you describe that a little bit more? So most people know, you know, when they're not at their best or when they're, you know, what they kind of tend to (laughs) go to. Um, And so this is also why the. Enneagram number is kind of a fixed-ish thing because it's our defense mechanisms that we use when we're very young. So it's our first tool set. So it's the thing that we grab the the strongest. When people are at their best selves, it's actually more difficult at their peak. It's actually more difficult to tell what their Enneagram number is Mm. because they're not using their defense mechanisms so strong. They're able to fluidly move through the entire Enneagram. So this is a personality system. And actually when people are maybe unhealthy, it's a little easier to lock them into what their number is because their defense mechanisms are so obvious. 
And when you're a little Mm -hmm. bit softer with yourself and you're a little more open and you're healthier, you can say, okay, well, I'm not necessarily comfortable doing this, this, having this strength, but I'm open and I can kind of move fluidly to the strength of this number or that number and kind of exhibit a lot of different um, strengths. I think that's how I would answer that. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, Keiko, when you have a, a we already, we already talked about uh, your character on Prodigal Son, but like, do you ever, do you enjoy doing this with the characters? That's especially, that's not your own Enneagram. Like was Lane your Enneagram on, on the girls, Gilmore. the girls <laughs> of Gilmore or were you the same? Were you the similar or not? Yeah. You know, that's the thing is that, and, um, and is it fun? <clears throat> and is it fun to play someone who's not you? Are you kind of like, Ooh, this is neat. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. If we're going to get, here's some hash. My husband likes to say he's not here. <laughs> hashtag real talk. Okay. Thank you. Finally. So, hashtag real talk is like, uh, let's be honest. Most actors, like most actors have a comfort zone. Most actors play best in their, some version of their number. Tom Cruise is a three. Like, <laughs> you know, Tom Hanks is probably a six, like a buddy, buddy guy. I mean, I'm, I might, I'm, I'm, I, so, you know, why is it that we come back to them and they, they, great actors can play the gamut of that, whatever that thing is, but there's something in them that is a little bit, the core of that character is a little bit um, like that. Not to say that you should stereotype people and pigeonhole people and they can only play their number. Um, Because I'm not a five, but Edris is a five. But there's, if I'm really honest, so this is the hashtag real talk, most of the characters that I play are sixes. Or some, and it's not that those aren't the characters that I audition for. I audition for a lot of stuff. But the things that nail hardest are some, the, the, the basically the roles that I book are usually, have tend to be kind of six-ish. Now, Idris is a five, but she has a l- very strong six tendencies as far as loyalty and attachment and hard work. There's, there's a lot of six in her. So uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing about acting. I, I, I'm of the opinion that um, I'm not one of those people that, that think that that you can play anything, anything well. I mean, you can say the words of any any person. That's not, you can say the line, words off of a script. That's anything. But can every actor play every role well? No. And even Meryl Streep, no. Do you think there's a truth that comes out when you're playing, like, you felt like with Lane, you felt like, was that more of a truth for you? Like, was Lane a six, essentially? Is that what you're well, saying? The, or you're saying, I don't know. Well, here's the problem. And here's the <laughs> here's the problem is that the way I play Lane is is a six. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. is Lane a oh, six? Oh, so you'll like, you'll just sort but of that's make. that's why different gotcha. actors are hired for different roles. I mean, it's it's very I, circular what you're saying. You know what I mean? A, it's a little, yeah, yeah. It's a little. And it's not that we can't play other roles, but. What are the roles that they're going to hire us for? It's a competitive freaking business. You have to nail it. Mm-hmm. You have to be better than a hundred other people. So what's going to give you that edge? It has to hit rock bottom in you. And when and part of what is rock in you is, you know, this number. Does Enneagram pair well with another, like, 
the zodiac signs or <laughs> the Yixing yeah. or what do, what does it pair well with? It's, is it like a fine wine and the, this cheese goes well with it? <laughs> or is it just something to be used only on its own? <laughs> oh my God. I wish I knew. I don't know any other all those other things. I'm going to send do you, you the Yixing. The Yixing is what I yeah. do. Send it to me. There's a bar in London that has created cocktails based on Enneagram numbers. We all have to Yeah, I'm, I'm into that. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. I love that so much. Well, Keiko, you said you bring your number to any role then, even if it's a different number. And uh, I think that's really yeah. cool. Like, uh, but is that, un- well, in any case, we won't go down. We no, I mean, it's, it's bringing like, yourself into yeah. it. Listen, I, I don't even, you know, if, as much as I love the Enneagram, it's fun talking to you and how you approach your characters with an Enneagram number. Because I really am thinking about my Enneagram number mm. with the characters that I do. Mm. But I think that's a really beautiful thing. And it's, I think it's really cool. Yeah, I love that. I mean, as an artist, it's like whatever tools you can put in your tool belt that actually make sense. Cause there, you know, there's so much that doesn't when you're, when you're dissecting a character, that's always really helpful. Um, and what is, what is the entry point for someone like myself who, I mean, I've, I've written down here, I'm a two wing three, when I'm in good health, I look like a four. And when I'm not, I'm an eight. But what do, what do I do with this information? What book do I get? Where do I go to start to like implement this into my life? Okay, great. And I know that David also has this book. But um, so, so I don't, I'm going to take out my book. So I don't, yeah, here we go. So I don't mess up the, the authors, but it's The Wisdom of the Enneagram. Okay. You can get it on Amazon. Don Richard Riso and Russ Hudson, they've written a lot of different books, but this is my favorite. And um, you know, one thing that I haven't uh, followed that much, but on on uh, Instagram, supposedly there's like these joke things that uh, where you can follow that are Enneagram related. I think that might be fun oh. for people. Although maybe it's only funny if you already know. Uh, well, uh, or, I don't you, know. or it gets funnier. <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 right? yeah. Maybe it's one of those things. <laughs> like kind of like me. Like, the more you get to you... know me, the funnier I am. Um, <laughs> that's that's good. Okay, I'm going to look up that, like a meme yeah. Enneagram. That's fun. Yeah. Actual Enneagram. That's one of my favorite Instagrams. Oh, okay, good. It's called, good one. It's just called Actual Enneagram. It's a lot of comedy with it, but it's like, ha, ha, ha. Ooh, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> like life. Um, I love it. Cool. Keiko, what did we ever get to ask your entry point into the Enneagram and who introduced it to you? Oh, um, I was introduced to it by a man named Steve Horniak. And it was, I can't remember. I remember what year was it? I know we talked about this before and I can't, but it was, it was before Gilmore Girls. It was very early mm-hmm. to when I, so nine, 90s, late 90s or something. Because I moved here. Someone once told me. Someone once told me so. that the Enneagrams had like a few incarnations. Like it's having a, it's like having a moment again in the last few mm. years, and then it had a moment in the nineties. Yeah, and then it had a moment in the seventies. Right. So I like. It sounds like you, you kind of got into the nineties way. Yeah, at the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the nineties. Yeah, but it wasn't as popular when, when I got into it. I didn't know a lot of people that knew about it. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there are more people now, mm-hmm. maybe that, that I can talk to about it. That's great. And so, you know, what what would be your love letter to the Enneagram if you just just to end this on on this sweet thing? Like why like why do you love it? Like if you had to say. Oh, um like Enneagram, I love you because you've done this for me or this is why. Oh, okay. Let's say. Enneagram, I love you because you have 
given me a sense of understanding of myself and a sense of understanding of other people. You've helped me creatively to be a better actor and a better writer. I think the most important thing that you've given me is a way to further my empathy towards people, especially my mom and people that are very close to me that I had at some point felt um, maybe a challenge understanding. And so I thank you. Thank you, Enneagram. I love it. <laughs> it's beautiful. And thank you, Keiko. You're you awesome. And thank you, awesome. David. And thank you, Claire. <laughs> I can't wait. I, I really can't wait to like look, order this book. And my first like action item is going to be trying to understand my mom because that's so important. <gasps> I want to come to peace with that. You know, yes. that that's, yes. that's the best application I can think right now. And then also maybe because I have two daughters to use that in that <gasps> both, both ways, you know? So it's yes. a, that's the most important thing I'm taking from this is like just being able to understand people in your personal life who you, you know, I didn't marry my mom. It's, it's a relationship that you don't choose, you know? Yes. So it's really important to be able to drill it down to some common ground. And I feel like that that's what Enneagram is going to do for me. So thank you, Kate. Yeah, I have chills. <laughs> I have ch goosebumps. Yes, that, that'd be great. I love it. Okay, so first of all, I love Keiko. She's amazing. Second time, twice as nice. But you know what I just realized during this episode, David? What, Claire? Thank you for asking what. I realized <laughs> that I need a budget for this show because here I am on Amazon cruising around, ordering the wisdom of the Enneagram. I've ordered, you know, every episode we do, I get so into the people's subject, you know, the, you the people's draw me in and I go and I spend 20 to 40 bucks on Amazon or, you know, at Home Depot or wherever <laughs> acquiring these things so that I can share in the love of the Enneagram, the Moleskine notebook, some cookbooks. You know, fortunately, I haven't had the chance to buy a Ford Bronco yet. But <laughs> can we make a separate Patreon just for you? Should I just do like, all right, everybody, we're going to do the Claire Kramer Patreon because she needs she needs a budget for all these good things that we keep learning. I mean, and it's, it's I and do. need, not want. This is a need. It is a need. I love it. I mean, I this is the per this is why I love this show so much <laughs> because it you get to celebrate what and for us, we get to educate ourselves, yeah. you know? I mean, I wouldn't have picked up intrinsically a moleskin notebook. I wouldn't have intrinsically known about the Enneagram. And and now I just can't wait to get it and apply it, like I was saying, to my relationships and I'm I'm all in. That's my problem. We have an expensive and It's my podcast. problem when I play poker too. I just go all in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a pricey podcast. Uh, it's a it slippery a slope, and we'll be we'll be in the gutter at the end of it after five seasons of this. We're just gonna, but you're gonna have like no house, no home. But you're gonna have a really big bag full of a lot of cool tchotchkes. I love it. You know, it is interesting that we're both the two wing three, and that is called the host. Yeah. When you said that. During the episode, I it hadn't occurred to me that was the name of us. How do we find each other? Isn't that creepy? And we're hosts, and here we are. It's just that that's the the universe is speaking. And do you have another two wing three in your life, or am I the only one? You know what's funny is uh, it's not funny if you have another one. <laughs> no, what's funny is I, I don't actually know a lot of two threes, and twos are usually ladies. It's just a funny thing. Of all the numbers, twos tend to be women and fives tend to be 
dudes. And so my wife and I are kind of opposites. So because twos are helpers, and I think there's a natural intrinsicness to like women are more caretakers, nurturers, helpers, givers than men. They're also better than men in lots of other places, in my personal opinion. And I'll, then uh, remind me to call back to one thing, but continue. Yeah. But so, yeah, I, I'm one of the rare two men that I know, but I do know a couple. We're just, we're just a rarer bunch for whatever reason, you know. Um, and a lot of them are gay, and I'm not. And I always wonder, maybe I am, but I'm not. A lot of two wing threes? A lot of two wing three men I have met are more uh, of a, uh, are, are gay men than they are uh, straight men. And so, uh, yeah. That's just what is going I, on. That's just a fact. I can't <laughs> wait to get my book. Uh, <laughs> um, I was gonna say though that you know you're not wrong about women being nurturers. What's the old thing? But they did just find a skeleton from the ice ages of a woman who was hunting and gathering, and so that dispels the myth that they've always been the homemakers and. Even hundreds and thousands of years ago, women were going out and making shit happen and That's getting the food. Right. So, boom. That's right. That I'm sure she was a two wing three, also. Oh yeah, <laughs> or she, an eight. She's a badass. Whatever she yeah, was, she was skeleton. all the numbers. She was a ten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was. Speaking of ten, you are all tens. Thanks for listening. As always, check us out on all the places one can get podcasts. Find us on the internets in the ways that make sense. Keep listening to the end of this podcast. We'll share everything with you that you need to know. Good luck. Good night if it's the evening. Good morning if you're just waking up. We'll see you soon. And we do need to talk more about that sexual wing or whatever that was called (laughs) at a later date. We will. Oh, we will. (laughs) If you guys want to know what it's like to be a fanatic about fantasy books... I know I do. Then you should listen to our podcast next Thursday because we have Mr. Will Friedel. Yes, Eric Matthews of Boy Meets World. You're welcome. And of course, Kim Possible, Batman the Animated Series, and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh my gosh. You guys ready for this? I am. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your Fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's we are F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Colin Baker. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Boy, that's a lot. It's not the your gram, my gram, definitely not the Instagram, it's the Enneagram. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yes, the Enneagram. Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a Prince Charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. 12 American women are flown over to the UK for a Bachelor-style reality dating show. There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd. These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry. What? Y'all playing with me, right? You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.